Good morning. <laughs> Tools for life. That passage of scripture, if the axe is dull, what, what Solomon is saying, work smarter, not harder. What God has given you, given you and I, are skills and tools for life that we can use in the different areas of our lives. And for these six, maybe, maybe even eight weeks, we'll be talking specifically about some of those skills and some of those tools. And the one that I actually wanted to talk about this morning, you probably didn't even expect me, to, you, you probably were not thinking of this in terms of being a tool or a skill. And the reality in life is that everything that is accomplished in history has an element of timing to it. Those of you who are Cardinals fans know that, that our quarterback, whoever he may be at the time, has to get his skill and his timing correct, and he has to throw that ball to exactly where it needs to be for Larry Fitzgerald to catch it. And, and if his timing is off, it's not Larry's fault. If his skill is off, it's not, we know Larry doesn't miss the ball, right? So skill and timing are a big deal. You heard our team up here. They, they were leading us in worship. And, and they, were, they were planting the words and they were planting the right pitch, the right note. But if their timing was not right, it would have been horrible this morning instead of what we were able to take part in. Timing is so important. Comedians will tell a joke, and, and if their timing is not good, that punchline will drop like a bomb. Timing is so important. We're actually getting into, into the political season now. And, and I, I got a feeling that some of the politicians that, that are running for president right now are thinking, man, I am in the wrong election cycle. Four years ago on the Republican side, they had 17 of them. And, and those guys had to be thinking, oh, man, why did I pick this, this time to run? And, and now four years later on the Democrat side, we've got over 20 some odd. And, and they have, some of them have got to be thinking, my timing is horrible. I should not be in this election cycle. One of the things we do here at Camelback is we pay attention to timing. You know, when a surfer goes out to surf, the surfer never tries to create a wave. The surfer just waits for the wave that he knows is coming. And then he does his best with his timing to get on that, rate, that wave and ride it for the distance that he can. And that's what we do here at Camelback. We're intentional about our timing. In other words, what is God doing and how can we be a part of it? It's not like we go out there and say, we're going to do this. God, you need to bless this. The opposite is how we operate. It's called walking in the Spirit. It's called being sensitive to the promptings that God has for you and I. It's really a matter of timing. And in Ecclesiastes Solomon gives us this. Solomon says, there's a right time, and if you're taking notes, you can read this right there in your notes, and if you're taking notes, you want to underline right time. There's a right time, and there's a right way. You want to underline right way. 
a right time and a right way to do everything, not just some stuff. This just doesn't matter in just some stuff. It matters in everything. But we know so little. Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, probably only had about five books in the Bible because that's all they had to that point. But Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And he says to you and I, we know so little because Solomon recognized that God knows everything, that there's nothing God does not know. And for that reason alone, we need God in our lives. If you and I are going to be successful in life, there are skills and there are tools that God has given to us so that we can understand the rhythms of life. And and he clearly in Scripture gives us what I want to look at with you this morning. Sometimes with God, you need to move fast. And sometimes with God, you need to move slowly. And the skill is knowing which one to do when. And he lays that out in Scripture. And I, there, I could give you two long lists, but this morning we're going to look at two short lists as to when to move fast and when to move slow. As I read Scripture, especially the four Gospels, Jesus had an urgency about his life. If you're thinking in terms of when do I move fast, Jesus had an urgency about his life. As you read through the four Gospels, here's what I know. There are f- at least 15 verses where the word Jesus and the word immediately are in the same verse. Over 15 times you will hear, you'll hear Scripture say, Jesus immediately, Jesus immediately, right away. He didn't pause, didn't hesitate. You see that you hear, we hear the same thing about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul over and over again talked about running a race, talked about moving swiftly, moving quickly. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6, you don't have this in your notes, Paul says, Paul says, run hard and run fast in the faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, run in such a way as to get the prize. You don't get a prize in a race by going at this pace. You've got to be running, and you got to be running faster than people around you. God says, there are times that I want you to go fast, and there are times that I want you to go slow. I actually want you to wait. Sometimes I want you to delay. Sometimes I want you to stand still. Knowing the difference is the big deal. So take out your notes with me, and let's look at this list of when do I go fast. The first, the first uh, one for when I go fast is when God tells me to do something. When God tells you to do something, you just do it. You, you listen to Nike. You just do it. The Bible is filled with instructions for us. Those of us who accept Christ as our Savior, He becomes our Father. We together are His children. We are in His family. As our Father, He gives us instructions. He expects us to obey it. Some of you are parents. When you give instructions to your children, you expect your children to obey it. When your child says to you, 
I'll think about it. I, there isn't a chance on this planet I would have ever said that to my mom or my dad. I would have been introduced to, see this piece of leather right here? I, I'm not advocating anything. I'm not, I'm not. That was a reality. And, and it hung on the curtain rod right in our kitchen window. Not always. Sometimes it got taken down to be used. I seem to be a favorite of that thing. He expects us to obey. We're his children. He expects us to obey. Because he's God and he knows everything and he knows what's best for us. That's why he expects us to Because he wants what's best for us. A footnote. Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. How often with God do we land in that? We, we, we actually tell God, I'll think about it when he gives us instruction. Jesus in Mark chapter 1, he, 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 turns, he turns to his disciples, and Jesus said to them, come follow me. And so Simon and Andrew, Peter and Andrew immediately left their nets and followed him. They left their careers. What was important in their life was no longer the important thing in their life, and now there was something more important in their life. And they followed him immediately, it says. In Psalm 119, verse 60, it says, Without delay, this is the writer of Psalms, without delay, I hurried to obey. In our culture, we often think of hurrying as something negative. We think of hurrying and stress and problems and pressures and worry all in the same category. But listen, when it comes to God and obedience, that word hurry is always a good thing. It's not a negative thing. It is a positive thing. We hurry to obey when it comes to obedience. So I guess my one question that, that I would throw out with this one, when God tells me to do something, my question to you is, what has God told you to do that you just haven't done? You haven't done. You're, you're waiting. The second one I want to look at, that we, we need to move fast when I need to ask or offer forgiveness. When it comes to forgiveness, we need to move quickly. If we need to ask for forgiveness for someone, do it right away. If, if, so, if someone comes to us for forgiveness, do it right away. You know why? Because we were not designed, God never designed us to carry guilt and to carry resentment. It's, it's something that we, we put so much abuse on our bodies in this area. Doctors will tell you that this whole category, if people, if people would, would forgive, if people would not allow bitterness and resentment into their lives, 50% of our hospital beds would empty out. It's a big deal. Guilt and bitterness. We have guilt and resentment in our lives because of something that happened in the past. And we worry about the future because of that. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is touching on this. And, and he hits it full force. And, and let's just read it together in Matthew. He, he says, if you're offering a gift at the altar, and there you remember that someone has something against you, somebody's got a grudge against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar first and go be and go reconcile with them. Go and make it right. Go and get the grudge removed with truth and transparency. Let forgiveness happen, he said. Then come and offer your gift. You know what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say, you know, if you're really struggling and, 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 and you're struggling with anger and you, you're, just, you're just getting torn up by something, then, then maybe you need... He didn't say that. He, he said, e even if it's at the level where everything is fine and you're sitting in a worship service and, and worship service and, and everything is really good and, and, you, and you are reminded of, of, of a grudge between you and someone else, go right away. Go right away and get it fixed. And then come back to the worship service. In other words, if you leave, you, you come to places where you no longer forget about it, and then it surfaces again. But a root of bitterness will just grow deeper and deeper and do more and more. He says, get it out. You need to do it quickly. The third thing is we need to move quickly when we feel tempted. When, when, when we're, we're in a situation where we are facing temptation. You're on a business trip and then you're in a hospital room and you click the TV on and there's an opportunity to watch things that you know you shouldn't watch. Change the channel. If you're sitting and watching something and, you're, and it, you know it's bad for you and you know it's bad for others, change the channel. Over and over again in Scripture, it tells us in, with regard to temptation, it says run. It says immediately. If it's not good, and temptation comes at us in a hundred different ways, and it usually comes suddenly. And Scripture over and over says, "Run." Joseph is the great, is the best, one of the best examples. He ran from temptation. He, he, he. Temptation. If you think for a minute that you're going to rationalize and argue your way through temptation you will lose every single time. If, if, you're, if you're dating and, and, your thing, and your commitment is to a moral life and a moral relationship, you need to make your decisions before you get to the back seat of the car. Don't wait till the back seat of the car. Do you know why? Because when, when, you, when, we, when we try and take this on logically, the reality is our emotions get involved and our emotions take over and our emotions are never logical. It's a whole different arena. And we know this. And Scripture encourages us to replace it with someone else, with something else. If you're struggling with alcohol, you don't go to a bar for the peanuts and the, and the pretzels. You just don't do that. If you're struggling with an issue, you, you want to be here on Friday nights 
and, and you want to be with a group of people who care and, and, and are, are dealing with issues in their own life, and then they care about the issues in your life. You, you, you want to be actively involved in, in, in not allowing yourself in the position where temptation comes. In Scripture, Paul writes, in 1 Timothy, he's writing to Timothy. He says, run away from evil things. He doesn't say, Timothy, just kind of, kind of watch it, you know, if you... No, he says, run away from evil things. 1 Corinthians, don't worship idols. And we're all sitting here this morning and saying, well, we, we don't worship idols. An idol is anything that you place in your life or I place in my life ahead of my relationship with him. So an idol could be my car. It could be a boat. It could be your spouse. It could be a good thing, but in the wrong place of priority. First Corinthians, Paul says, run from sexual sin. Run from it. The fourth thing that we need to move quickly we need to move quickly when we have made a promise to God. When you, and listen, we have all made, all of us, we have all made promises to God and not kept them. And if you think you're here this morning and you haven't done that, you probably just have a bad memory because we have all done that. We've, we've promised him something and, and, and we've, we've not fulfilled our promise. Solomon in Ecclesiastes says this. He says, when you make a promise to God, keep it as quickly as possible. As quickly as possible. He doesn't even say, plan out how you can do it. He says, keep it as quickly as possible. He isn't happy with foolish people. The implication here is, if we make promises to God and we don't keep them, this is God we're talking about. I, I would say that that puts us in this foolish people category, right? Do what you promised to do. Solomon just lays it right out there. And, you know, if, uh, maybe you promised God that you were going to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe you promised God that you were going to invite someone to church. Maybe you promised that you were going to begin to serve, or, or maybe you were going to going to take the journey, or maybe, maybe you promised God that, that you were going to begin giving. When, 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 you know, when the time in our service comes to give, it, you, you, you promise, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to find the, and you, and, every, and you don't do it. When you promise God something, Solomon says, quickly, move to it quickly. Do it right away. This, this whole giving thing, we, we tend to think of, by the way, the next two weeks, I'm going to talk about the skill of really finance, of not, does, not how our culture handles money, but how does God want us to handle money. Our culture has us living in debt. God's plan and purpose for our finances is that, is that we live in financial freedom. He says the borrower is servant to the lender. We are seeing that 
culture-wide. And that's why twice a year we do Financial Peace University. That class is going to come again in the middle of August. Mike and Zondra are just going to lay it right out, and, and we're going to have the opportunity. Maybe you've been through it before. You can go right through it again. A great opportunity to step into nine weeks of actually not just enjoying each other, because the class is just a great class, a fun class to take. Not just go through, but actually take that area of finance in your life and move it into the category of freedom. And many of us, we, with debt, credit card debt and finance, the borrower is servant to the lender. Financial bondage, God's desire is that we just be free from that. It's not something, this whole area of finances is not something that we want from you. It's something that we want for you. And God wants it for you and for me. Integrity, responsibility. God's in the process of taking us from who we are to being more like him. So when you make a promise to God, Solomon says, go back and do it as quickly as as you can. We should also move quickly. Number five is when we have the opportunity to do good. And we've done this. Every time we do a dollar share, it's just another opportunity to do something good. And for Streetlight USA, not only did we go over there, spent the Saturday morning doing all the things for their campus, and, and we left that place so much different than we found it, but, but we also gave in that dollar share offering, and we were able to buy a whole bunch of things on those girls' wish lists. We had the opportunity to do good. And for you, it may be somebody at work. It may be somebody in your family. It may, someone may, may come to your mind. When you have the opportunity to do good, do good. Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 3, says this. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Nike says, just do it. You know what the problem is? We, we think that, and even now you might be thinking of a person, but then after you leave here, this thought comes to your mind. You know, why, why don't I just wait till things settle down? Why, why don't I just wait till maybe there, it, there's, it, maybe I, I have a better opportunity to do this? Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. In other words, if you wait for perfect conditions, you won't do it. And then they won't receive the blessing. But beyond that, you won't receive the blessings that God was going to pour into your life because you were obedient to him and to his word. He loves to reward and bless his people. When we are giving, God loves to reward his children. Because there's, when we, knowing our nature, knowing our culture, knowing who we are, when we give, we are, we are actually becoming more like Jesus. It's the very thing that he is desiring to. And we, when we actually act on this, this process in our life is growing and moving forward. And you know what? He, that just, he rejoices in that and he blesses and rewards it. It's, it's what he does. 
If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. The sixth thing I have on your list of things to do quickly is when God offers me salvation, I move quickly. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians says this. 2 Corinthians says this. God is ready to help you right now. Today is the day of salvation. Today. In other words, when you hear who Jesus is, and when you hear that he died for your sins, and you hear the gospel, you hear this story of truth, that through the ages God had been planning from all through the Old Testament, this thread that he weaves about this Messiah that is coming, and you hear that story, the time to act is right away. And some of you, maybe you've been a part of Camelback for a long time. You're a good person, but you haven't stepped across that line and accepted this gift of salvation. By the way, to not decide is to decide. He says, now is the day of salvation. I'll touch on that at the end of our service this morning. There are times that God has for us to move fast, and there are times that we should move slowly. And, and the, the, there's a passage of Scripture in Proverbs 14, uh, 29. It's smart to be patient. Not everything in life should be done fast. Let's look at this brief list of things that should be done slowly. I should move slowly when I don't have all the facts. Well, I, I, I heard that she said, or I thought that she might have said, well, don't, don't act on that. Get all the facts. Sometimes we need to find out more because our world is so impulsive. Social media is so, uh, so alive today with impulsiveness. And then some people will say, well, just go with your gut. Half the times I go with my gut, I get indigestion. You know, there's an element to going with your gut, but, but then sometimes people will say, well, just follow your heart. And if you were here last, last week, you know I read Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. You know, th there are times that, that we tend to convince our ourselves that things are really bad when the reality is they're not really all that bad. And just, just like that, on the other side of the spectrum, there are times that we, we, tell, we tell ourselves that things are pretty good when really they're pretty bad. We probably lie to ourselves more than we lie to anyone. F follow your heart. And, and then we wonder why our life is hitting one dead end after another. Well, we look back and, and there's, a, there's a string of, of broken hearts and broken relationships because we followed our heart. We need an objective source that is bigger than ourselves. We need God in our lives. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing he can't do because he is God. Never made a mistake. Never messed up. Has the power to do anything. Has the power to be everywhere 
all the time. And, and we tell him, wait. Proverbs 18, 13 says, what a shame. This is in the Living Bible. What a shame. Yes, how stupid to decide without having all the facts. Take your time. Get the facts. The second reason to move slowly is when I'm hurt or when I'm angry. And if you're taking notes, you might even write one next to that. You might want to write down depressed. When I'm hurt or angry or depressed, you need to take it slow. Never move fast. How many times have you made a bad decision when you were angry? How many times when, when you were upset or angry, you picked up their phone and you sent a text? And, and you, we don't even want to talk about what happened after that. The Bible says in James 1.19, and you've heard me talk about this verse often. James is the brother of Jesus. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And most of us, most of the time, do it the other way around. We're quick to speak, slow to listen, and anger happens on all sides. And God looks down and says, no, no, you got it backwards. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. It is such a big deal. Dr. Stephen Covey in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People touches on this one big time. Dr. Covey says, listen, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Seek for, he, he digs even in deeper on this. Seek first to understand. In other words, listen, 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 listen until you fully understand. And then he throws this other thing in there where he says, now repeat back to the other person what you heard. He's throwing another category in there for both parties to give clarity on, on, on what, what you heard. And then he says, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Then speak. Exactly what James, the brother of Jesus, was saying. And here's the key, guys. If we'll listen to James, the brother of Jesus, right, and we will, and we will be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, all we have to do are those two. Because if we do those two, we won't get angry. Neither will the other person. See, the Bible is dripping wet with this kind of stuff, this, these things that he gives to us to apply in our lives, these skills, these tools. Proverbs 15, 28 says, the godly think before speaking. Do you know why? Because they're come, becoming more like Jesus. And it's becoming a part of their thought process. Number three, move slowly when you're making a big decision. When you're making a big decision, you should be thinking a lot. You should be praying a lot. You, so often we're thinking, Lord, help me, because I, I could either do this or I could do this. Sometimes we need to say, Lord, is there a third option that I should be thinking about? Is there something that, that I'm not even thinking about? 
Some of you are unmarried, and, and the, the one thing that you want to be is married. A great marriage counselor once gave great advice, two words, move slow. Move. One, one counselor says, you, you should go through at least four seasons of dating, so a whole year, that is. Now, we only have two seasons here in Arizona, so we probably could fast track it, but the, re the reality is, go through time with, the see, we do this thing called dating. And the problem with dating is, when you're dating someone, you don't know them. Because they're putting everything out to you that is wonderful. When a, ladies, when a guy is dating you, yes, at, he will be on the phone with you for two hours. After you're married, you try keeping him on the phone for five minutes. See, when you're dating, he, he, he says, would you like to go to a movie? And, and, and you say, yeah, I'd love to. And he says, what movie? And so you give him the title of the movie that you want to go see with him. And, and his response, well, wait a minute. In his head, he's thinking, that is the last movie on the planet that I want to see right now. But the words that come out of his mouth, sure, I'd love to. Because we, we, we are not presenting the true us. A guy goes into a bar. Can I buy you a drink? Where else in life does this apply? You walk into Walmart, and there's this nice girl, and she's standing. She's looking at toasters, and, or she's looking at blenders. And you came there because you were going to look at, at toasters or something, and, and you walk up to her, and you say, can I buy you a blender? This doesn't transfer to any other area of life. But, but we're in this arena where we need to see the real us. When you're making a big decision, move slow. Proverbs says this. Wicked people bluff their way. So, so do politicians, by the way. Wicked people bluff their way, but God's people think before they take a step. God's people are thinking, where do I want to be tomorrow? And what do I need to do today so that tomorrow I can be where I want to be? Most people never ask those kind of questions. But God wants to take his people through a process where, where this is a skill that we practice. What habits do I need to develop? What practices do I need to develop? What, what is it I need to learn? What, what do I need to know about debt and finances and that whole area in my life? Next two weeks, we'll be talking about that specifically. The fourth thing is we need to go slow when we're waiting for a seed to grow. When we are waiting for a seed that we have planted to grow. It's called the law of the harvest. When, when you plant a, a, plant a seed of, for corn and a stalk of corn grows, you reap so much more than you sow. You and I in our lives, we will sow what we reap. In our relationships, we'll sow what we reap. In our business, we'll sow what we reap. In building things, in kindness, we'll sow what we, with love, 
with finances. We will sow what we reap. If you never sow anything, you won't get anything back. Integrity. Integrity. We will sow what we reap. But it's in a different season. There's a season for planting and a season for reaping. And this law of the harvest, listen, you can use it for your benefit or you can use it for your detriment. If you walk around and you gossip, then you will reap a harvest of gossip. If you're, if you're sowing seeds of anger, you will reap a harvest of anger. Are you going to sow good seeds or bad seeds? If you're waiting on God, if you're waiting in an area, if you've planted a seed and you're waiting on God, then the one thing that you just simply need to do is to continue to plant good seeds. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, God says, you can trust me about the future. I'm God. You can trust me, he says, about the future. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, this is part of verses 1 through 5. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to scatter and a time to gather. Church, we've talked about two full lists. And, and some of you are probably thinking, James, there's just no, I, I, I just feel like I don't measure up. As your pastor... Let me tell you this. In going through this list last night, studying this list, I have at one time or another messed up in every single one of them. Every single one of them. Some of them more than once. But that doesn't change it for what it is and what God wants to do and he is doing in our lives. And we're in this process, church. He took us where we are, and he knows where he's going to take us. And let me just jump back real quick with you. If this morning, when I talked about salvation in, in, in the fast list, and if you've never accepted, if you've never taken that step across the line spiritually, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I just want to give you that opportunity this morning. It's really simple. It's not complicated. And in the passage of Scripture, it says God is ready in 2 Corinthians. Look at it up on the screen. He's ready to help you right now. Today is the day of salvation. Why? Where are you going to get a better deal than that? And why would you not do that? You could step across the line of salvation today. Next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, you could be sitting in the journey for four weeks going through a process, and you will move from where you are to where God desires you to be. Stand with me. Let's pray together. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, it's as simple as that. It's a matter of believing that Jesus is who he said he is. He's the son of the living God, and he came here, and he let them nail him to a cross to pay for your sins and for my sins. And in doing that, accepting that, you become his child, and you become a part of our spiritual family. Let's close our eyes as I pray with you. Every head closed, 
every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you this morning, and you say, James, I want to do that just for my sake, just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Just real quickly. Yes, yes. Father, thank you for those hands that went up this morning. Lord, I thank you for, for, for their willingness to step out and recognize who you are and accept your gift. God, I pray in their lives that as they begin this walk with you, that in every way, nothing will come between their, you and their relationship with you. And as they move forward, we pray your blessing on their lives. We're excited about that step. All of heaven rejoicing. Bless us, Lord, now as we, as we step into another song, as we worship you. In your name we pray. Everyone said, amen.